Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, this is... Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. Today we're going to talk about conspiracy theories. Are they real? Are they a bunch of extremists? What do you think about conspiracy theories? Usually it's a pejorative term. But I have to wonder. I see massive censorship of health information taking place in the U.S. My film, The Big Secret, as I mentioned, was taken off Amazon Prime. That came at the prompting of a California Democratic Senator shift that asked Amazon Prime to remove a lot of health information from Amazon Prime's site. Uh, you can learn more about my film if you check out Joseph McCullough's website on July 20th, yet he's another person being censored. Uh, my YouTube uh, postings were uh, censored and cited as spam. My websites and some accounts were hacked. But at the same time, this health information is being censored. The leaders are promulgating GMOs and pushing 5G on Europe. But at the same time, Google is planning to make GMO information and alternative approaches to cancer unfindable. What is going on? Why are these things going on at the same time? If you want to learn more about EMF, you can check um, on my web on the radio show, Dever Davis, Guy Hudson, Lena Poo, who I interviewed. If you want to find out about GMO, you can uh, look at the interviews of Jeffrey Smith and Stephanie Senep, etc. These things are known to harm us, but we're not able to find alternative health information. So what is going on? So with on this topic, we have an expert. We have Andy Thomas. He is one of the UK's best-known researchers into truth, mysteries, and cover-ups. He's the author of many books, including acclaimed Truth Agenda, Making Sense of the Unexplained Mysteries, Global Cover-Ups, and Visions for New Area, New Era, pardon me. Also, Conspiracies, the Facts, the Theories, the Evidence. Both of these are available in several global editions, including the US Andy's History of the Controversial Crop Circles, Vital Signs. This was nominated for the Kindred Spirit Magazine's Best Book Award. His books have been widely praised as the finest available overviews of this subject. Andy has given thousands of lectures in Britain and around the world for nearly three decades. And he's also the co-host of the renowned Glastonbury Symposium Conference, the biggest and longest-running annual alternative event in the UK. He's made numerous radio and TV appearances over the years. And mainstream spots have included programs for the BBC, NBC, the History Channel, the National Geographic Channel, and he regularly writes for the Nexus magazine. When I read his books and listened to his lectures, uh, yeah, he didn't seem to have an opinion. He was pretty neutral and just presenting the facts. So I don't think he's a conspiracy theorist. He's just presenting some facts. But let's find out more. So welcome to the show, Andy. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you. So let's get started. What motivates you for the work that you're doing? 
I mean, uh, I'm somebody that's always been very interested to kind of find out what's going on below the surface. And I grew up like that. Uh, and obviously, I was going to be drawn to areas where, you know, we're clearly not being told the whole truth. Uh, and when I was in my 20s, I started to get interested in things like UFOs, crop circles, all the things that we're told to laugh at. And I realized that, you know, whatever the answer to these things, we were absolutely not being told the truth about them. And I found from my own experience just how easily information was completely changed by the time it got to the mainstream media and lies were being told. And of course, you know, you realize that if they're doing that, even in areas like that, well, this must be going on with everything. And of course, the more you get involved with these kinds of areas, the more you meet other people researching them. And gradually, I got sort of drawn into, you know, what people call the conspiracy world. And that's fair enough. We're talking about conspiracies. There are conspiracies in the world. It's very clear. And there are cover-ups. And the, the, the difficulty can be sometimes, though, is identifying exactly where they're going on and why they're going on. But you can certainly show that some are. And I understand what you said at the beginning, that I don't seem to have an opinion. But I do. My opinion is very much that these things do have a reality. But what I try to do is to be open-minded as to why they're going on. And to be open-minded is to a number of possible reasons for different things. But it's absolutely clear that we are being lied to. And as you alluded to at the beginning, it is absolutely clear that we now have mass censorship of to be alternative in whichever way you wish to see that. So we have big issues now going on with being able to have free conversations about anything like this. And that concerns me greatly. Why do you think this is going on? I mean, my my movie on uh, nutrition and saying we need to have healthy nutrition in addition to any pharmaceuticals, what harm can that cause? Well, I suppose if you're running a huge company and you are making a lot of money through conventional medicine, anybody that comes along and says, hey, there might be another way of doing this where you don't need to give those companies money, inevitably they are going to be upset. So I think there's that angle on it, but I think it's deeper than that because I do think we live in an era where hard science has been sort of very much programmed into people and especially younger people coming up. And I think now they have been conditioned to be suspicious of anything which is not 100%, as they would see it, proven by science. And I think there's been a very clever sort of strategy whereby those that stand to sort of the side or to the alleged fringes of conventional science and try to talk about, say, alternative health uh, or whatever it might be, they are now seen with great suspicion. And I think younger people especially have been now brought up to look at them with suspicion and see them as a threat rather than just think, oh, that's interesting. Somebody else has a different view. Uh, I think they are now, or we, if you like, are now being branded as dangerous. And I think that is a very worrying state of affairs because, as we know, there is absolutely another side of the case to be put. And through your own films and your own work, you know that there are conversations that we all need to have 
But now it would seem that we are not being allowed to have them. And that information is being taken away from public view. And if we don't do something soon to halt that trajectory, it's very hard to see that we're going to have any voice at all within five years even. So, yeah, we do live in concerning times. I absolutely agree. And when you talk about research, for example, I understand Canada said GMOs or genetically modified foods are wonderful. Yeah, I read that it was based on 216 studies. 211 were done by Monsanto. But we know from my interview with E.G. Bellinianatos on the show, uh, Monsanto and the agricultural business never had any studies. The lab was non-existent, although they did collude with certain universities, I suspect, especially the agricultural land-grant universities in the U.S. And so 211 by Monsanto and five or six independent researchers, it seems pretty consistent that independent researchers, be it genetically modified foods, uh, EMF, independent researchers come out with, wait a minute, we've got some serious, serious questions here. And the industry-funded research comes out, maybe it's a hard science that the youngsters are listening to, oh, this stuff is wonderful. I mean, look at Pustai and look at Seralini. They did studies on GMO, leaving out the glyphosate, and the animals came up with tumors. I mean, uh, for Pustai, uh, Monsanto called up Clinton, called up Tony Blair, said to shut the guy up, which he did every way possible. And then Seralini, uh, Monsanto has had a constant campaign against him, which he's always managed to come out okay. So I, these youngsters are trusting, trusting research that might not be valid. This is one of the interesting things, isn't it? I mean, yes, I'm using the phrase hard science. Um, and this is something which is clearly not adhered to by many of the companies that are pushing this at us. Because as you rightly say, when you look at some of the studies which have been done, which do not support what they are promoting and which do say there are dangers to EMF very definitely and GMO and many other things um, – the strange thing is that nobody in the scientific world seems to spot that these studies are scientific, and yet suddenly we don't hear about them. If something goes against something which has been promoted in a very wide way, it is branded as maverick. And suddenly, even though these studies were conducted totally scientifically, um, they are treated as non-science. And it's a very clever strategy because many of the things which official science is pushing forward uh, is not proven either. And it's quite shocking how unscientific actually some of the uh, alleged mainstream science is. And yet if somebody on the outside, say somebody like you or me, cites these reports carried out completely scientifically, uh, we are branded as uh, charlatans. And that is, I think, a, a very good way of shutting us up. And yet they have no better science very often to prove their case. But we are the ones who are silenced. So this has long been a problem, but it's now becoming an epidemic problem. I have to wonder what the agenda is, because the U.S. government is strongly giving Europe an ultimatum on accepting genetically modified foods. They're pushing 5G and just can't wait to get to 6G. And there's all these toxic chemicals and an EMF and uh, genetically modified food and glyphosate. We know it makes a cell. It opens up the blood-brain barrier. It interferes with cellular communication. We know there are problems. They're pushing all this, all the chemicals in our food, chemtrails, what have you. At the same time, we can't find alternative 
uh, approaches to health. What do you think is going on? I mean, it depends, I think, which avenue you take. If it is about money and power, well, clearly they don't wish to lose either. But there are, of course, some people who believe there's a deeper agenda, which is basically to keep the human race down at a lower level, to prevent us being fully healthy, to prevent us sort of reaching, if you like, to our full spiritual potential and to homogenize everybody and keep them at the same level where nobody can really rise above a certain level and therefore we are more controllable. So that is the other theory. Now, proving that, I don't know, but whichever way you look at it, you've got the same result. It would seem they do not, they do not want us to be well. They do not want us to reach our full potential or at least not without using their conduits. So this is one of the big problems that we're up against. I saw a very interesting documentary by ITV in in England. It was called The Chinese Gulag, Digital Gulag. And what it showed is every second of the day, uh, they monitored every word a person said and every facial expression. And once they've got that level of control, we've lost. I mean, it sounds extreme, but this documentary showed it. And the people who didn't quite get along with the agenda, in this case it was the Muslims in the western part of the country, were thrown in, quote, re-education camps, and it doesn't seem that they were getting out very easily. And this is scary because if you're monitored, and this is going on in China, they had films and, you know, and they showed it, and it was convincing to me. If Once you get to this level of control, we've lost everything. Well, China, I think, is in a way a test bed for mass control and surveillance. Now, they come from a different culture. We need to understand that where authoritarian ways seem more natural. And I think perhaps that is why there hasn't been quite so much resistance there as perhaps there would be if you were to overtly bring that in here. But, of course, what we're doing is bringing it in surreptitiously. Now, the West tends to be very critical of China, and yet... One of the ironies is that China is using certain Western companies to develop this kind of software to actually help set these kinds of things up. We know that Google, for instance, has agreed to compromise some of its own systems to fit the Chinese way. And I mean... Obviously, President Trump has been resisting China, but certainly in many other countries, they they will not really speak out against this control agenda over there because we all need China to do trade with. And this is one of the sadnesses is that even though there are huge human rights abuses going on in many different countries, we stay quiet. The, the governments, at least, we, we do not raise the issues that we should because at the same time, we do not wish to upset them. And that, I think, is something that perpetuates these horrors. But yeah, absolutely. The the companies that are developing the control and surveillance uh, technology in places like China, they are over here. And eventually you think, well, why would they not also use it over here in the West? We are not from an authoritarian culture in the same way. But what we cleverly do, perhaps, is to bring it in quietly so that people don't notice and eventually it's brought in so gently that people don't realize and yet i would say even in the last six months to the last year certainly people in the so-called alternative realms are noticing and the stepping up of the program of censorship really has made it very clear now that this agenda is now rolling and i am still astonished 
at how many people in the the truth-seeking world seem not to be aware of it. And yet, when you look at certain things, search for certain subjects, try to find certain videos that used to be up available online, they are vanishing very rapidly and in a very frightening way. And this should be much greater cause for concern than I think it has been so far. That is really scary. Um, now, for example, uh, if you, you used to put in uh, psychoneuroimmunology and Kelly Brogan came up like on the first page and McCullough would come up pretty quickly, probably as well. And now they're page 23. Who's going to look past page three on Google? There's an article they're planning to do the same thing with anything questioning genetically modified foods, the uh, same thing on alternative cancer treatments. And uh, anybody questioning vaccines, and while vaccines can be good, there's a lot of questions. Why should have some, somebody have 78 vaccines by the time they're 18? The U.S. has an agenda, CDC, that they want to have mandated vaccines. So any, so most adults will get several a year, and if you're over 65, you might be scared the mumps. You might be spared the mumps, measles, and rubella, but you're going to get flu and pneumonia every year. Uh, what the f? Well, I mean, this is an interesting thing because, uh, I mean, of course, there is a concern from people who say that all vaccines are bad. You know, clearly people on the outside that maybe do not understand the issues will see that as potentially dangerous to children if you've been brought up to believe in vaccination. However, you would like to believe that we should at least be able to just have a conversation, just to be aware of why some people question it. But even that is becoming very difficult. I don't know if you heard recently, but uh, the website Green Med Info, um, they, you know, they are not anti-vaccinations to my knowledge, but they do look at natural alternatives. They want to have just the conversation. Well, MailChimp, which is a company that helps send out mass emails, uh, they now will no longer deal with Green Med Info because they accuse them of putting out anti-vax information. And so now Green Med Info cannot even run their mailing list. So who never mind being taken off social media or being taken YouTube, even finding a company willing to run your mailing list for you is going to become difficult if you are saying anything that the mainstream authorities have now basically condemned as heresy. And this, I think, is only the beginning. And I think how long will it be before the list of subjects that they call heretical extend to, say, questioning climate change, uh, to questioning, say, things like 9-11 or any truth subject? I can see one by one these things are going to vanish from the Internet. And, of course, in the long run, when the Internet companies have been told that they are now not just platforms, but they are publishers – the internet companies could run so scared of being prosecuted that they actually will not even host the websites, never mind putting up videos and putting up links on social media. So then where do we go? Then we're going to be back to the printing press because at the moment this is where it's heading, where there will be no free conversation available on the online world. And yet, if this isn't stopped, that's where it's going. So, yeah, we all need to start standing up and making a noise about this very quickly while we still can do it online. Well, yeah, I forgot to mention Sayer G and the Green Med Info. Yeah, it's not only MailChimp, it's Pinterest, it's Amazon Prime, it's Etsy, Facebook, anything questioning vaccines is going to be off 
but also Vimeo, as July 26, they sent out these instructions. Anybody with a conspiracy theory, uh, you know, be it 9-11, Diana, you know, Pearl Harbor, any of that stuff, it's not going to be allowed on, on Vimeo Prime. And they've sent out that information that people have to July 26 to get their videos off. And, you know, I mean, my film is relatively benign. It's talking about nutrition. It's talking about the history of the pharmaceutical companies, the sugar industry, genetically modified foods, fluoridating the waters. It's gone. I mean, I can understand vaccines. There's a strong feelings on each side. Conservative talk hosts have been uh, censored. Now anybody questioning, proposing any conspiracy theory about any past history is going to be removed. What? I am not surprised. I have to say I'm not surprised. I mean, I think the day that the main conduit for the world's information became the digital world, it, it was, I suppose, on reflection, inevitable that the powers that be would try to control that conduit. All they have to do is turn the tap off. And because of the scandals over fake news, that was a gift to them. And I, it's strange because I thought that it would be very early on because they are doing this often in the name of uh, getting rid of misinformation, shutting down fake news. But, of course, fake news is a, a very subjective thing. And absolutely, I think soon we will find YouTube taking down any video that is, shall we say, conspiracy orientated and for now, at least if you know where the websites are that host this kind of stuff, you might find your way to it if you know where to look. But, of course, most people on the outside in the end, and I think this is the hope, will not know where it is. They will not even know that it ever existed. And when those websites are no longer hosted either, which I think is what we're heading towards, as I say, we are back to having to distribute printed material. It's a very strange state of affairs that this tool, the Internet, which opened up conversations about anything and everything, and people thought would be a tool for freedom, has now become the tool for our servitude. It's a very sad state of affairs. Yes, and I've seen videos of Facebook executives in front of the U.S. Congress saying, we'll do whatever you want. Whatever the Center for Disease Control wants us to do, we're going to censor it. So uh, it's coming from Congress. Uh, and also there was uh, Eric Marola that did a nice documentary on the Brzezinski cancer uh, treatments. He was told that Facebook and YouTube were going to be next. And actually Amazon Prime wrote us a letter saying they were sorry to take Marola's documentary off because his treatment seemed to work and help thousands. And that's what Amazon Prime wrote us as they took his video off. Uh, well, that's the very reason, of course, that it would need to be taken down because that is a threat to those that want you to get treatments through, uh, through their conduits. So, I mean, you can understand the commercial motivation is not right, but I think there is something deeper going on. And, and I do believe that we are having anything which might enhance us as human beings removed because that gives us self-control. And a self-controlled and educated public is a, a public that is harder to keep under the thumb. So they've now realized that they can take this information away. They've realized now that the majority of people won't notice it going to begin with, or by the time they do, they'll just shrug and get on with their lives. And they know that we can be treated as a minority that will just simply eventually have no voice. I don't think in the long run it will work. 
because I think what they're doing is just pushing this information under the carpet. And what you're going to wind up with is a great big lump under that carpet, which will eventually leak out as extremism. And when we're all tripping over that lump in the carpet, this information will return. It will have to return. So I know that they're sort of winning for now, but they won't win in the long run. And yet the preservation of this knowledge, these alternative sort of thoughts and uh, strategies that uh, we have been, if you like, sort of trying to propagate for years, we're going to have to preserve them. A time will come when the pendulum will swing back and people will decide that they want to hear this again. And perhaps the authorities that have taken it away will then be held to account. But I don't think we're there at the moment. So what I think our primary, if you like, aim should be to make sure this knowledge is preserved because, by goodness, the powers that be are doing their best to bury it in the hope that nobody will ever see it again. We mustn't let that happen. Oh, another interesting tidbit is uh, Congressman Pan, a California congressman. Uh, he's trying to pass a law that it's a crime to question the government on one particular health issues. Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, I'm afraid this is the way it's been heading for a long, long time, which is why I find it very strange when, you know, the West sort of points the finger at China and criticizes them for not allowing free speech. And yet you're going down exactly, exactly the same route. But as I say, it's been done more quietly, certainly here in England, but in America, yes, it would sound like where you are, it's getting more overt. So that is a sure sign that, A, we were all onto something. And that they were feeling genuinely threatened. Uh, and that B, if people do not stand up and make a fuss about this, uh, they will have their way, certainly for a while. But that we need to keep this knowledge, this knowledge circulating by whatever means. And in the old days, when you had a revolution centuries ago, the first thing that they would do is shut down the printing presses. And that is metaphorically what they're doing now. It's not a printing press today. It's the online world. They are now shutting it down because they see a revolution coming. And just as we all thought that our thoughts perhaps would be absorbed into the mainstream, they've managed to put the genie back into the bottle and are trying to prevent that sort of reaching critical mass. But as I say, even if we have to return to print media to get this out there and distribute it secretly, there will be a way. And we must never give up because then they've won. And that would be extremely disappointing. And who is they? I think it's quite clear who they is. I mean, you can buy books by various conspiracy people that will name all the obvious names. But I think, you know, if you look at the, the top 20 people that own everything in the world and all the people they work with and all the companies that they work with and where they earn their money, it's pretty clear who it is that would feel threatened by anything that is a valid alternative. So I don't think really that is too much of a secret. But whoever we're dealing with, you know, whether we're dealing with individual names or faceless elites, you are dealing with the same problem. And I do think that we should try to find a way to legitimize our arguments uh, and that we should try to hold, you know, our members of parliament or congressmen or senators or whoever to account while we still can. Because the thing is, if this goes another two, three years down the line, we simply will not have a public voice. 
and we will be treated not only as mad people, but also, as I mentioned earlier, dangerous people. And, you know, the trouble is they've declared orthodoxies. They're declaring medical orthodoxies, climate orthodoxies, you know, conspiracies. They don't happen, do they? And the day that you declare an orthodoxy, you create heretics. So that's where we are now. We are now becoming the heretics, but it's not in a kind of rolling your eyes or look at those mad people. It's more serious. People are being trained to fear us and to think that we are the danger to society, not those at the tops of the elites. So I think that's where the turnarounds happen, and that's where I think the danger lies. I see a lot of the youngsters particularly kind of asleep. Um, it just, you know, whenever I mention something on a local internet, something about either EMF or GMO, I get branded as a conspiracy theorist. I mean, it's kind of scary, but at the same time, the millennials are getting sicker than ever. I mean, people age 27 are sicker than ever. It's downhill from there. Uh, half of them have one chronic disease and some have more than one. They're getting sicker than ever. In my theory, it's the toxic soup, the genetically modified foods, the glyphosates, the 5G, that the government seems to insist that we be bathing in. Um, and they're asleep. Well, yes, I I think there is a truth there. Obviously, clearly not all of them, but yes, there is a general truth. But I think it's worth stepping back, perhaps, and looking at the bigger cultural sort of line here. Because, so, I mean, our generations, and let's say, you know, people that grew up in the 60s onwards for a while, we were the generations that rebelled. It had been a very authoritarian world before then. And, And certainly youngsters, you didn't rebel. You did what you were told. That changed. And yet, of course, you know, in the end, you're going to get generations that will rebel against what went before it, no matter what it was. And currently, we're seeing very conformist generations who are rebelling against the generations that rebelled. So rebellion is no longer fashionable. Conformity seems to them more appealing. Now, I suspect that that wheel will turn eventually. And when they realize that their health isn't very good and that there are a lot of mental health problems and when somebody starts to realize, actually, there's a pattern here, isn't there? They will rediscover the very things that we've been talking about. At the moment, sadly, I think we are often looked at as sort of like old hippies from a former time trying to talk about crazy things that science has discussed proved but it may well be that the truth will out it usually does in the end and there will be a a pendulum swing and you know the people who are currently rebelling against rebellion if you wish they will come to realize that actually there was a point here and new generations may well come back to this but it's a strange thing because i mean at the moment we do have you could argue sort of new rebellions i mean over here we have the extinction rebellion movement which you may well have there as well which is uh, very concerned about climate change and things like that and i mean that's a very good thing on one level but equally what we can see is people being funneled down very narrow channels of rebellion and that we as we've already identified in this conversation we are being identified as the enemy of that and that i think is what's sad because free speech is being closed down and yet they don't seem to see it it's a strange thing i gave a a sort of a tour last year of britain to mainly at younger audiences talking about conspiracies and we had a lot of people a lot of interest i was very encouraged by that and i thought wow, you know, people are awake to this. But when 
we try to then mount a, a tour talking about free speech and, you know, try to look at censorship and that, uh, we had a very minimal response. So all the crowds that were more than happy to turn out for the lurid fascination of conspiracy theories didn't want to make the leap to what, of course, the implication of conspiracy is, which is how that is used to control us. And I was rather shocked at the lack of response. It's almost as if these generations don't actually even value free speech, or they don't think it matters, but I was shocked. And I think that's the problem. They've been raised to be conformist, and all the years of conditioning, to a degree, have worked, not all, clearly, but to enough where we can be painted as, as the enemy. Uh, and I think we have to slowly turn that around, and only reason and well-gathered evidence will do that. And if they can't find that evidence online, then we have to find a way to make that evidence available through other conduits, whether it be mounting events, whether it be going back to printed material, as I've said. And they will not show up to begin with. It may well be because they've been taught to fear us. But the day will come where they will find that material again and go, oh, hang on, maybe these people had a point. So we must remain optimistic, because I know it sounds rather gloomy what we're talking about here, but I do believe the wheel will turn and there will be a return to this kind of information and people will suddenly realize that it's gone missing and that they've been had. And I think then, hopefully, there will be a new kind of rebellion, a proper kind, if you like, of thought. I hear some conspiracy theorists say that it might be climate control that they use for agenda whatever, 220, 230, or whatever in the UN, to use climate control and, uh, you know, minimizing use of energy to control everybody, how much they use, when they use it, etc. And some of these smart devices, I mean, this 5G, they're going to be able to monitor anybody at any time. And some of the researchers I interviewed said that the military has studied exactly what frequencies will cause what disease. So you can aim at somebody in the distance and do whatever you want. That's what people say. Now, I don't have the proof. I mean, I don't think those documents are declassified. So, I mean, uh, that's kind of scary that they might use climate control as a means to control us. I mean, this is something that a number of people have been trying to uh, speak about. And, of course, now they are being attacked as climate deniers, um, which is, of course, not necessarily what they're saying at all. And the smart revolution, smart meters and smart technology it's certainly over here absolutely being sold. And again, I have to say, and it sounds condescending, but it's true, sold to youngsters as something that will save the planet. I mean, we have an advert running over here at the moment on television and radio where you hear a series of children saying things like, I want to save the planet. I want a planet where there will still be polar bears and so on. And then after you get all of this, a voice comes in and says, well, if you want to save the planet, get a smart meter. And children are being told smart technology will save the world. So, of course, they want it because, of course, you want to save the world. That seems reasonable. I think it's a form of brainwashing. It's misusing people's good intentions in a way that I find very sinister. And as we know, smart technology, yes, it will have some good uses, but it will not only create much more electromagnetic pollution, and there are indeed many dangers from that, but it will also be a hacker's delight because when everything from your kettle to your television to your printer is all talking to each other and they're all linked up, 
uh, it will be very easy for anybody and everybody to find out everything about what you do and how you live. And to think that that information will not in some way be misused at some point is ridiculous. Of course it will be. But we are being sold only the good side of it. That's the clever thing. They always do that. They don't mention the bad side. They will sell you the benefits. There'll be some benefits, sure. But, of course, the bigger picture is rather darker than that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, sounds like the cigarette issue all over again. It took maybe 40 years. We, you know, they begin to get the information on cigarettes, and, and the industry has its own way of trying to confuse the issue and, you know, just confuse people, create doubt. And EMF sounds like the same thing. I interviewed the former president of Microsoft Canada, who, friend of Bill Gates, agrees with me totally. This stuff has health risk, and it should just take somebody questioning it to make them slow down, but they don't. And here I am in the UK, and they put a smart meter in my flat, and I told them not to. I don't have any choice. That's not right. It's not right. Uh, and I mean, it's interesting because the World Health Organization, I, I do believe, does classify um, wireless technology as a carcinogen. Yeah. And it's not at the highest level. It could and probably should be. But the fact that they do, and yet still you never hear about this, is quite shocking. But this is a clever thing. I mean, you also, you know, we have things like fracking. Now, fracking is very big in America. Uh, and this is something which they're trying to bring in in England. And you'll always hear, well, there's, there's no evidence that fracking is a bad thing for the environment or that it poisons water or whatever. Well, actually, there have been a number of official studies which absolutely have shown that it is a very dangerous thing. Uh, and in America, I believe there was a, a major government-sponsored study which did conclude it was not a good thing. But what they did when they realized what the actual evidence was they were coming up with, they didn't publish it. So the report was there, but it was never officially published. And so, of course, then they can say, hand on heart, there is no officially published evidence which says that this is dangerous. And that is also what they've done with EMF and mobile phones and smart technology. What they do is just not fully publish the results or they'll say, ah, yes, but that was conducted by somebody that was not scientific. And they just rebrand these people as non-scientists. It's clever and it works, sadly, in as much as the public on the whole do seem to go along with this but then you look at the actual data the actual evidence and you realize we all need to talk about this but it's getting people to that evidence that's the problem and it's always been an issue in the conspiracy world which is we can all mouth off about conspiracies and how there are dangerous things in our environment but unless you can get somebody to sit down and read the reports that show this you know, we are seen as figures of ridicule. We have been painted that way. When you get somebody to look at the evidence, of course, minds tend to change quite quickly. Getting to having evidence available. And now that is what is being taken away from people very rapidly. So, again, it comes back to this. We need to spread it. We need to share it without shouting at people, without raising our fist in the air saying, you must believe me. We need to share it in a way that says, look, you need to see this. Just look at this. You know, I'm not forcing you to think what you want, but look at this evidence. And sadly, people often never get to see that evidence. Well, let me give you some evidence right now on EMF. Hardell in Sweden has done studies that uh, show that 
it's definitely association, but he believes causation because there's a dose relation that teenagers' use of cell phones increases the risk of glioblastoma, deadly brain tumor, and acoustic neuroma. Um, Hardell will be in London. There'll be a conference in EMF, I think, September 27th through 28th. There will also be one in Santa Cruz, California, I think, September 6th through 8th. Now, uh, so... Hugh Taylor from Yale University, an esteemed U.S. university, and also a man named Suleiman from Turkey, independently did studies. You put a cell phone on a pregnant abdomen, the offspring comes up with brain changes. I mean, especially in the hippocampus, which is what starts going south in Alzheimer's disease. And these offspring, which are rats and rodents, have symptoms uh, that are, you know, similar to ADHD and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, there have been studies, you put a cell phone in your pocket and, you know, the sperm are fewer and more dysfunctional, but hey, hey guys, it's cheaper than a vasectomy. So I think some of the research is out there, but nobody's listening. Oh, and also I interviewed Swiss farmers. They all got sick when the cell towers went in. I mean, and then Switzerland, they're complaining about damage already from 5G, uh, that they're being injured. I mean, there's all these reports all over the place, and it's out there, but, you know, maybe uh, folks need to go to these conferences I mentioned. And there's also several websites about, you know, Facebook pages about 5G. I don't know how long they'll be up, but, you know, you can learn information there as well. I mean, there may be one glimmer of hope, certainly over here, because 5G has only just been introduced this summer over here in Britain. Uh, and there actually has been a, a kind of a public reaction against it. Uh, I know that uh, leaflets have been going through doors uh, and there has actually been some mainstream coverage. Now, inevitably, you read, say, the BBC's report of this and they will tell you, well, there's, there's no evidence to say there's anything wrong. But at least they have mentioned that some people believe there is. That is something. However, if this follows the usual line, I imagine that in the end, nobody will talk about the reports which say it is dangerous. And that's the clever thing, that all you have to do is just to stop talking about them. And sooner or later, again, the hope is that people won't notice and they will never find their way to this evidence. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think it is overwhelmingly the case that EMFs, one of the biggest experiments that they've ever done on the human race. And like you said about smoking, I think in a few decades' time, we're going to find out the truth. So we're all living in one huge guinea pig experiment at the moment. And if it turns out that actually we have done terrible harm to ourselves, I think that will be very hard to hide forever. And uh, one would like to hope that, again, people will realize that something has to change and that the cover-ups, and they are cover-ups, that were instigated around these areas now actually were wrong. And so perhaps history will rejudge these times. So, yes, at the minute we're at the, the core of it. We're bearing the brunt of all the censorship. But it may well be that the truth will be uncovered. And we will, I'd like to hope, come to our senses as a society, as a civilization. But at the moment, it's, uh, it's uphill. But we still, nonetheless, must keep going. Uh, Ola Johansson from Sweden told me that uh, there's a diagnosis in Sweden, about 5% or something, people are diagnosed with electromagnetic sensitivity. Also on 5G, it resonates at all these frequencies, including the frequency of our DNA. It opens up the blood-brain barrier, interferes just like glyphosate with intercellular communication. I mean, 
I mean, you could take any one of the many toxins that are out there or just look at the toxic suit. This is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And I mean, stuff like this, to be fair, has been going on before 5G. Uh, some years back in Britain, uh, the police wanted to bring in a, a new system of communication, uh, and it used a communication system known as Tetra. Now, Tetra waves are incredibly powerful, and indeed, they are on a level which interfere with human brain waves. There was a lot of campaigning against this. People campaigned against the masts, and the police were told, don't use this frequency. But guess what? They still did. And here we are today, I'm presuming the police still use the Tetra frequency. But that's the thing, you get an initial reaction against it, and then things move on, then the media doesn't report it. But anybody that says electromagnetic influence couldn't do anything, they do really need to get their computer or their phone and have a look at all the different routers that you're picking up. So if I were to put on my computer and I stand in my garden, and I've done this many times to see, I can find the signals from about 20 routers all passing through me at that very moment. So that must even if you've never read any of the reports that must be changing us on some level because we have never lived with that level of electromagnetic interference before and of course it will have unforeseen consequences so you know even if we don't do the scare stories about the health problems and just say surely this needs to be looked at you would think the common sense would say yes let's do that but again i believe there is money there is power involved and of course authorities never like to say that they were wrong they will never admit that for as long as they possibly can so this is i'm afraid yes smoking all over again yeah it's pretty scary also you can get meters that will you can measure how much emf you're exposed to just go around your flat or neighborhood uh, my next movie will be called toxified you'll see more about that there and okay so um so what can we do to balance or change the global agendas? I think one of the key things, uh, and it's always been the key thing, and this is why they're trying to stop it now, is, and I know it's basic, and I know I keep saying it, is to share the information. And the problem that we've now got is that we have generations coming through that have been taught to be suspicious of anybody questioning conformity. But they're not all like that because I feel like I'm coming across saying that is always the case. It's not. I do know people from younger generations that do question, that are concerned, and they are there. And they must still be communicated with and nurtured. Because it is absolutely clear that the only way that you get change is to get mass movements and ripples. And at the moment, our ripples are being made smaller. But that doesn't mean that we should stop stirring the pool. You know, we've got to keep stirring the pool. But we need to be careful how we do it. And it's something that I've said on a number of occasions. One mistake that I think is sometimes made in the conspiracy world is that people that absolutely believe in very hardcore conspiracy get angry at those that do not or that haven't yet learned about it. And they shake their fist and they say, you're stupid for not believing me, right? You're not going to get anywhere like that. We have to offer like, in very reasonable tones and as lightly as possible, a doorway into our world and say, well, 
here's something to be considered. You might just want to look at this. If you don't, that's fine. That's your call. Make it appealing because I, I think just shouting at people doesn't work. And, and yet I understand the frustration that leads people to get into that state of mind, but we have to reach out. I mean, I've been very lucky over the years. I mean, I get to address a lot of audiences and they're not all alternative audiences. Many of them are very mainstream. And of course, we wouldn't talk in the way that you and I are talking here, but I've been able to open a few doors just to say to people, you might want to look at this. You don't tell them what to think. I don't think that's why I do that. I mean, so coming back to that thing, I don't seem to have an opinion. Well, I do, but I'm not going to load that onto somebody else. I will open a door and say to them, I think this is worthy of discussion because I find in my personal experience, more people tend to come over that way. Whereas if I stand there and say, you must listen to me, you must, that doesn't work. So we need to keep the information going, but be very careful about how we do it and the tones that we adopt. And we now need to use all mediums that we can. We use the online world all the while we can until we kicked off it. And then we must get back to print and then we must distribute it and start publishing magazines again and when people at Amazon won't sell them we will have to distribute them ourselves and leave these leaflets in halls in public spaces it will get out right there is as yet in history no regime that has ever managed to keep this information away forever and that is hopeful. And if you read 1984 by George Orwell which we now seem to be heading into in many ways there's an interesting bit in the in one where it does acknowledge, as if this was being written at some point in the future, that the all-powerful party does eventually fall. So you read the book and you think, hey, they've got control and surveillance forever. Actually, he does acknowledge that it probably wouldn't go on forever because totalitarian regimes usually trip themselves up. And if we're living in a totalitarian world, I think it will trip itself up because at the heart of people, that is not where the human spirit is at. People want freedom. They want freedom of information. And at the moment, they've been hoodwinked. They've been fooled into thinking that only this very narrow band of reality is all we should talk about. But I think they will soon find their way back out to all this other stuff that needs to be talked about. And we must ret you know, retain that optimism that that will occur and keep opening the doors even when it gets hard and never give in that's how we will balance the agenda well i only said that you seem circumspect because in your lecture and your books you did i mean you just or oh, where's his opinion but you know one can understand that so i want to give you the benefit of the doubt there to remain <laughs> you wish, but I'm glad you didn't. So you mentioned Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World. It seems that we've got the surveillance capability going on. We've got the social programming. We've got chemicals that are impairing us. It seems like, and I, I guess Obama was involved in taking away habeas corpus. So, I mean, our rights, if we're locked up for whatever reasons, are gone. Um, that's kind of scary. Yeah, well, I mean, in fact, the book that I mentioned was uh, 1984 by Orwell, but you're absolutely right. Brave New World by uh, Huxley is certainly worth rereading in the current climate. And one of the 
genius strokes that one of the controllers of that world, you know, when he gives his uh, justification for why the world is like that, is that they make people love their servitude. And I think that's what we're seeing here. People are distracted just enough, make comfortable just enough that they go with it. And it's easier not to question. And what they do in both Huxley's world and in Orwell's vision is destroy history. So in Orwell's vision, they burn history in Huxley's world. The history books are not necessarily destroyed, but they are taken away from people. People are encouraged to fear history because it's a time of, uh, you know, primitivism and savagery. So they don't even want to hear about it. And of course, that's very clever. Countries that destroy their history usually head towards totalitarianism. So something else I would recommend is really becoming aware of your real history, not the very narrow ones that we have been taught in schools and through the television today. And I do a lot of reading about history. I give a lot of talks about history because when you see the patterns of history, that is when you realize where we are going. But it also gives you hope because you realize where the darker agendas generally trip up. And by and large, they do sooner or later. Yeah, in your book, you mentioned many false flag events, um, you know, I mean, just endless lists that, you know, probably no point in mentioning here. But what do you think of the role of WikiLeaks and what they're doing to Julian? I mean, I I think the WikiLeaks situation was always a strange one. I, I mean... I do think that it was important. It certainly did reveal atrocities. I know there are some people that believe WikiLeaks sat on on some of its information, particularly to do with things like 9-11, because it never revealed anything about that that some people thought that it should have found. Um, So something that WikiLeaks has in itself not been 100% straight. But that said... I do think that it did provide a service, uh, a service, and I think that Julian Assange being made an example of is not a good move. Uh, I mean, okay, let's put aside the court cases and the accusations that have been made against him. Uh, I think it is pretty clear if he is extradited to America, he will probably not be treated fairly. He revealed things that needed to be revealed. It revealed civilization to itself. And from that point of view, WikiLeaks did provide a necessary service. Now, he uh, you can look at him as a journalist. I mean, this gal that brought him all the information, I forget her name. I mean, she was the source. I mean, I thought journalists uh, could protect their source. I mean, so they're going after journalism. Yes, and I think that is another sad thing. But uh, again, I think what we have to do is to try to maintain all journalism, you know, mainstream and so-called alternative, and keep the voices of all of it free. At the moment, mainstream journalism is just about surviving, and yet it is pouring scorn on the alternative journalism. And that is not helping themselves, because in the end, when they come for alternative journalism, they're going to come for mainstream sooner or later, as indeed the press is finding. So freedom of the press, freedom of the media, it will come for them too, if they don't stand up for it now and for people like us. You have one minute left. Is there any final words or how people can get a hold of you or uh, how would you like to close out here? Yeah, if you have a look at my website, which is truthagenda.org, truthagenda.org, you can find out about my work, you can find out where I'm speaking. There's lots of my talks up there to watch. Uh, So, you know, they're on YouTube, but you can find them all in one place and information about my books. And hopefully it will inspire people to go out there and do something themselves. If you are concerned about anything we've talked about today, 
go out and do something be part of the solution and that's the best advice i could offer well that's very interesting so i do advise the listeners get this information while you still can because we don't know how long it's going to be available and you know share it with others uh share it with your uh providers um so you can help yourselves you can help others and above all be well for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Are you looking for a great movie to watch? Tired of swiping through hundreds of different channels hoping to see something that sparks your interest? Well, I have great news to share with you. Today, everyone has either cut the cord with their cable company or are thinking about it. I cut the cord more than five years ago, and I don't miss cable one bit. There are now so many money-saving options to cable TV. My favorite right now is Roku. There are literally thousands of wonderful channels for every type of viewing experience you can possibly imagine. But today, I wanted to tell you about two very special channels, Indie Rights Movies and Indie Rights Free Movies. You will find both of these channels in the Movies and TV section of the Channel Store on Roku. All the movies on the Indie Rights Free Movies channel are absolutely free for you to watch. You can browse through hundreds of movies organized in interesting groups, You can scan through quickly like top-rated films from Rotten Tomatoes, monster horror, country drama, dark comedies, crime docs, films directed by women, and social issue docs. You won't find categories like these on other popular streaming channels. Speaking of social issue docs, you might watch The Big Secret. The Big Secret is the latest work by Emmy Award-winning producer Alex Voss, directed by integrative physician Susan Downs. It's all about the influence big money has on your health and well-being. If you prefer to watch movies without ads, subscribe to Indie Rights Movies, available everywhere. 